and welcome to your festive edition of the Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host for this week, Farmers Guardian business reporter Alex Black. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Just make sure you subscribe on your favourite platform. Now ahead of Christmas Day, we'll be talking about some of the staples that farmers provide. First of all, we're on Christmas trees, but we'll also be talking turkeys. Every year, the British Christmas Tree Growers Association holds the Champion Christmas Tree Grower of the Year competition with the prize of providing the Christmas tree to 10 Downing Street. The Prime Minister personally turns on the lights on the tree and it caused a bit of issues this year when it took him two attempts to do so. I caught up with this year's winner, Sadie Lines. And you've provided the tree um, that's gone to Downing Street this year. You've you've won that uh, opportunity. How did it feel going down to Downing Street and seeing your tree outside of that famous that famous street? It was pretty amazing, really, because, you know, you work long and hard on Christmas trees and you, nobody really realised how much work goes into Christmas trees. And to win it, I think I was the first woman to ever to win it. And we won with a pine as well, which has never been done before. So I think there was a huge accolade there for the farm in Devon, what we're, what we're supplying, what we're producing. And hopefully it will... Um, help others to think that there is a sustainable crop that they may wish to consider. Is there anything you can tell us? Obviously, there'll be some people listening, uh, hopefully that might grow their own, own trees on their farm. But, you know, people that might be considering the crop, is there anything you can tell us about things that people might not know about growing Christmas trees? Well, I think Christmas trees have been marginalised. You know, there's a huge need for more Christmas trees to be planted in the UK. And with the potential of um, you know, looking at the way beef and sheep uh, sort of looking at the methane production and how that affects the environment people are looking for other crops we don't know what's happening with subsidies in the future with um, arables so you know Christmas trees might be a good alternative they are hard work they do need a lot of hands-on it is year on year and it's a six to eight year um, cycle so you have to be in it for the long haul if you're going to do it you can't just plant and then forget about it or or not think forward really because if you create a market you need to then to be able to supply the market and how has the business been this year uh, both on the wholesale side and on the retail side it was quite a difficult year because it was such a warm dry october november pre-harvest so it doesn't shut the trees down and we are very weather governed um, at that so it meant we had to hold off longer and longer but garden centres want the trees earlier and earlier because their customers want the trees earlier and we found that with the Covid situation people have so wanted something to focus on for Christmas that they're buying their trees earlier and then expecting them to last all through to Christmas years ago we didn't harvest a tree until the first week of December now it's the first week of November you know just to supply that need so it's it's getting harder and that's something to do with the weather and what people dictate they want. This year, I think people are looking for a bit of maybe extra celebration or are they really wanting a celebration this year after after what happened in Christmas 2020? I mean, what, what's the mood been like amongst people that have been coming to the to the retail business? I think they, they are more liberated this year than they were last year. Last year, they were just grateful to be out and we were, were made an essential product just before I think it was the 14th of November last year the government decided that Christmas trees were an essential product because we didn't know we were going to open last year so people then coming to the farm for trees were grateful it feels that we slotted straight back into normality a little bit um, this year with that 
that people aren't quite so grateful to be out. There's a bit more of the normality of um, the shopping and expectations this year. And obviously some of the people that are listening to this might be um, people that don't have never had a real Christmas tree. What What's the benefits in your view of getting a real Christmas tree in over an artificial one? Um, it's a sustainable crop. Um, so therefore, it's a lot better than the plastic alternative. Wildlife benefits from having Christmas tree plantations. And we've seen that the increase in uh, our areas where we have trees planted and it can be recycled. It's fully recyclable and can be used if it goes to sort of waste compost use. It can be used as a soil conditioner again. So there's lots of pluses for a Christmas tree. A lot of people's under the impression that you plant a sapling one year, you've got a six foot tree the other or we're going into forests and cutting them down. It's not like that at all. You know, it is a crop and it's a, a planned crop. Thank you to Sadie. Now, turkey farmers have had more than their fair share of uncertainty this year, with bird flu, labour shortages and warnings earlier in the year that there might not be enough turkeys to fulfil demand. I caught up with one turkey and goose farmer about his experiences of this year. So I'm Oliver White and uh, we run an organic farm in Somerset called Farm to Fork where we raise um, grass-fed beef and lamb and pasture-raised turkeys, geese and chickens. Uh, everything that we raise is retailed directly to the end consumer. Um, probably 90% of our sales are mail order sales, which are driven through the website. And then we also have a small honesty shop on the farm. And just want to tell me a little bit about this year, how, how you found sales have been and what, what customers have been telling you about their plans for Christmas this year? Uh, sales have been strong. They've definitely come in uh, much earlier than I've seen in the past. Last year, they came in early. This year, they seem to have come in even earlier again. Um, last year, people were wanting smaller birds due to having smaller gatherings. This year, people are generally wanting larger birds, uh, although this week has shaken people up a bit with with the news of Omicron. But yeah, gen generally, uh, sales have been, yeah, have, have been strong this year. You know, I don't know. I think that there's there's talk about there being less birds raised this year, and whether that's um, whether that's meant that there's a shortage out there. I'm not sure. Uh, I was just going to ask about that. Obviously, we've had all the uh, sort of warnings in the press from from certainly some of the the big figures in the poultry industry wa warning about Christmas. I mean, has has any of that affected your business? Uh, it's created a lot of concern. We rely. Um, on another farm to process our birds and they have they have been quite reliant on uh, European labour to help through the Christmas season with the processing of the turkeys and the geese um, so it, it has been a worry for us that they will have the staff available to be able to um, to process our birds and they, they have they have done they've kind of had to you know find different ways around doing it um, but it's certainly for me it's 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 been a worry. The other the other problem we had earlier on in the season is that the uh, goslings have been in short supply. One of the main hatcheries in the UK uh, shut down. So we were we were chasing around for months trying to find um, our goslings for this year's goose crop. Um, and we did manage to get some from Germany and, and some from a local farmer um, in this region, but we weren't able to get the same numbers as we've had in previous years. Um, so again, you know, it, it, I, I imagine there's lots of other producers out there that haven't been able to get their geese like me, and so no, geese numbers almost certainly will be down this year. And obviously, the turkey is probably the most um, 
the the bird that's most associated with Christmas? I mean, what what are the sales and, and the appetite like for for your geese? Uh, well, for us, geese sold out first, um, but we built our business um, off of geese. They were the first; that was the first enterprise we ever did on the farm. Uh, so we have our kind of our longest running customer base, our goose customers. Um, so yeah, it was it was uh, it was a worry when when we thought we couldn't get hold of any geese. So I'm really pleased that we did, and we've been able to, um, you know, look after as many customers as possible. But yeah, they did sell out sell out fast. Um, and we're just down to the last few turkeys now, and we've just got some of the larger birds left. Um, but they're, they're, you know, hopefully all going to go out the door this this weekend. And the other uh, kind of story that's obviously been causing concern in the poultry industry is um, bird flu. Has that affected you at all this year? The housing order did did come in early, relatively speaking. Um, it seems to be in the past when they put housing orders in place, they have kind of waited for all Christmas poultry to be away. Um, but they did they did come in for us while while our geese were still here. But they're only they're only affected for about a week before um, we process them. So uh, yeah, by and large, we haven't been affected. We don't now have any poultry on the farm. Um, we don't carry poultry over the winter, and we won't start raising our chickens again until March, April, so by hopefully by which time the housing order will have lifted. For people that might be considering going getting getting their turkey, I know obviously they might be a bit late uh, to get a goose from you this year, but why should people be buying from farmers like yourselves rather than, you know, just going to the supermarket and picking up a, a turkey there? Well, for one, the, the all of their money um, is going to the farmer. So you can be sure that the farmer is making a fair margin when you're buying direct from the farmer. It's not lining the hands of the supermarkets. Uh, you also know exactly where your bird has come from, um, the life that it's led. Um, you know, we have we're very transparent here at the farm. We allow our visitors to to walk around and and see how everything's produced. So they just have a much better connection with what they're eating, and I think that goes a long way to adding to the story uh, around the dinner table, you know, around the centrepiece of what they're eating. Uh, it just makes it that much more special when when the customer knows, you know, the story behind the bird and where it's come from. Thank you to Ollie. And for those who are thinking about diversifying into a seasonal business, David Kinnersley from Fisher German gave us his top tips on what needs to be considered. And so we're talking about seasonal diversifications. Can you give us a few ideas of things you've you've seen are, are helped with that uh, might be options for farmers? Well, the, the key one obviously would be uh, the turkeys and the seasonal food production, but there are also you know, opportunities for sort of Christmas shows, those sorts of things, particularly if you've got a farm shop, there's obviously all sorts of additional items that you can add on to attract more visitors in there, uh, and then seasonal food production as well, there'll be businesses doing uh, particularly I guess, sort of seasonally flavoured or, or targeted uh, food products, such as whether it's cheeses or beers or uh, cooking oils and all those sorts of things. If somebody's listening to this and thinking about diversifying into, into one of those areas, what kind of things do they need to be thinking of? Well, the key thing to me, really, and I think where perhaps people don't always put the time in up front, is to really research your your thoughts, your business plan. And that sounds sort of really onerous and, and you know, lots of paperwork, which most people don't really want to do. 
But I really think this is more about speaking to others who've done it, doing lots of research on the website, talking to professionals, um, looking at you know networks, associations you might join, uh, getting, doing research on competitors' websites, for example, and actually trying out some of those things as well. So whether it's accommodation or whether it's particular food products, all those sorts of things, try and really get a feel for what's out there, what they offer. And think about how you're going to make that something unique or something different for your area or your particular target market. So I think lots of lots of research, lots of trying things out, um, getting some experience under your belt is a, is a really good way of, uh, of making a start. And are there any particular challenges or, or benefits of going for something that's seasonal as opposed to something all year round? Well, there are. I mean, there are, you know, depending on what it is, there's obviously the challenges of finding labour at the right time of year. And then there's the challenges of actually getting your your sort of, if it's a product, your stocks um, built up. So, you know, quite often you'll find that um, you spend quite a lot of the year effectively starting really early on planning your next Christmas's product range and um, producing enough and stockpiling enough so that when you actually go out, if you're out to Christmas shows, for example, uh, to sell your wares, that you've got sufficient produce there to actually do it. And of course, thinking a little bit about your surplus and what your targets are in terms of sales. So seasonality, um, yeah, definitely adds an extra pressure on, I suppose, um, but potentially also an extra premium too. And obviously, at the moment, we're all talking about, um, you know, the future of agriculture and obviously BPS payments have started to reduce now. Is now a good time to be considering diversification? I I think for lots of businesses, the fundamental question really is, can we get our core business, if you like, profitable? Can we make it profitable without BPS, uh, without making you know changes to that, if that's the, the, the key driver at the moment? And the second question is then, if not, and if you, you know, want to have certain, I suppose, income targets or income requirements, how do you then fill that gap? And diversification is one really good way of doing it. I think it's always a, a good way of looking at it, not a good time to look at it. But obviously, particularly with the financial pressures we know are going to come down the line, now's a really good time to think through those options. And it doesn't have to be you know, the obvious ones. It doesn't have to use farm produce or perhaps even use farm assets. It might be simply using using your skills um, and, uh, and experience elsewhere, um, whether inside agriculture or outside agriculture, to, to earn some extra income. And I don't know whether there might be any examples or, or a favourite um, project that you've worked on at, at this time of year with any of your clients that you could tell us a little bit about. Well, I suppose the, the range I've seen over the year, whether they're particularly seasonal or not, uh, is, is another matter. But uh, some of the, the great ones I've seen is a chap who is a, a really skilled artist, actually, and he uh, farmed with his brother. Uh, and his uh, niche was um, doing decorative designs for motor racing helmets, so for sort of go-karting sector and others. And uh, they, well, he, he used to sort of produce some specific uh, designs, if you like, and was highly creative. Uh, the other ones would be, um, we've, we've done a few of these milk vending machines, so the ones which will give specific milkshakes, for example, uh, you can select uh, what you read, whether it's just sort of simply milk to put on your porridge or uh, various flavours for milkshakes for the children, etc. So I think those, those are perhaps some of the examples. Um, but I mean, all sorts out there really from Christmas wreaths to turkeys to um, particular cheeses. Um, beers, gins, all sorts of uh, diversifications out there which, which have a seasonal flavour to them. 
Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Next week, we'll be hearing from Yorkshire Shepherdess Amanda Owen. It's certainly not one to be missed, so make sure you're subscribed on your favourite platform. Until next week, from us at FG, thank you very much for listening. We hope you stay safe and well, and have a Merry Christmas.